Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. One of the sponsors has been with us from the beginning is our friends out in North Carolina, Highland Canine at Tactical Police Canine, letter K number nine, training.com. They are full service from top to bottom, left to right, north, south, east to west. They have everything, pointy ears, floppy ears, whatever you want, and they are a full service kennel doing seminars as well as handler schools for complete, completed dogs and as well as green dogs. So be sure to hit them up, Highland Canine at tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com. The Pergasons are fantastic people. Uh, Jason's been on the podcast as well, so go hook, look up his episode. Our uh, One of my favorite sponsors is Dogtra. Uh, the folks over at dogtra.com, they've been doing this for a long time, guys. Um, their e-collars, bark collars, everything they do, we love it. We have a great relationship with them. Uh, they give a discount code WDR10 for 10% off any single item over $200. I tell everybody I have a kennel full of Dogtra e-collars. Most importantly, I have a kennel full of Dogtra bark collars. The YS600, to me, is the best piece of equipment in all of dogs. Check them out, dogtra.com. Check them out on Instagram at dogtraofficial. We really like the guys at Ray Allen Manufacturing. They've been around for freaking ever. They were making working dog equipment before they were working dogs for uh, working bison, apparently. So, uh, and our, their product designer is one of our favorite people, Matt Matt Wilson. We love Matt. So, uh, rayallen.com. And everyone thinks, you know, it's only for police and military dogs, and that's not the case. If you have a working dog, whether it's police and military or search and rescue or even hunting. And even if you got pets, they have literally everything minus the dog and the patrol car that you would need to outfit a working team or a pet team for anything, whether it be scent work, whether it be our AKC or UKC scent work, all the way up to explosive and narcotics detection for military and police teams and everything in between. So be sure to hit them up at rayallen.com. Use the discount code working dog radio spelled out for 10% off your order. Probably, absolutely, not even probably, our first sponsor and longest sponsor is Arno over at ALM. Probably, to me anyways, one of the best guys in all of canine. Um, His website, almcanineequipment.com. You can get on there, give him a call, email him. He's the only guy you're going to talk to, uh, almcanineequipment.com. He has easily the best tugs in the business. His bite suits are amazing. They last for a long time. Ted will tell you he's got the same jacket since uh, Noah threw the ark out there. And uh, his hidden sleeve, I still say, is the best in the business. Check him out. Use a discount code WDRADIO, all spelled out, 10% off your first order. Check him out on Instagram, ALM Canine Equipment. Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. Uh, we are back. Uh, I am Ted Summers, as always, from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, with me from Canton, Ohio, is Eric Stambro. Eric, what's up? Uh, oh, man, was it gorgeous today. Got to 80 degrees, sunny. They said it was going to rain all week, man. It's been great. Um, granted, it's Tuesday, but um, got a handler school going on. Got, uh, let's see, so tomorrow's Wednesday. Got a week and a half left. Um, I'm, I might not do any handler schools for a while. I think I might be sick of them for a little bit. And I might cancel the fall one. Um, just do <laughs> green plus dogs or pre-trained dogs, dogs. But yeah, yeah. it's been rough. Um, <laughs> so I uh, got two dogs getting picked up by a ground transport person headed out to uh, 
out to Vegas to see Cameron, two single-purpose explosive dogs, um, fitting into his little program. I, I was helping him out. He had a quick timeline, and I happened to have dogs that were started, so took took helped him out with that a little bit. Um, and that's it. I'm going to this weekend uh, to Muscatatuck, which is a, a little spot over in Indiana. Um, anybody who's been in the military on this side of the country probably has been in Muscatatuck at some point. Um, it's actually where I went, uh, I was invited to go there back when I was at the police department and met one of the guys who was working for Cobra canine, working the East coast contract and stayed in contact with him. That's how I got the job, but that Muscata took place pretty cool. It's a lot of search and rescue people calling me and someone else are doing some law enforcement. I don't think there's going to be that many law enforcement, but like they can flood the, there's like a town that can flood it. They've got uh, all kinds of cool stuff, man. It's, it's. The search and rescue people are going to have a, a blast. I'm going to um, do, you know, do whatever. I, I just, just give me a building with an elevator and I can spend all day. In <laughs> give me a building with an elevator. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, Oh, what do you need for HRDs? I'm like, just let me show up. Like, Fun shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just let me show up like 10 minutes, preferably not asbestos. That would be mm-hmm. great. And if what's going working- on in Tulsa uh we're getting torchlight's new facility up and running the build out as you know is a fucking pain in the ass so uh we're pretty much through the deconstruction phase and we're getting ready to start the build outside um and i've got some pets i've got a pit bull i've got a shithead german shepherd and a wire-haired pointing griffin aside from the patrol dogs i've got also and the pointing griffin thing is absolutely hilarious her name is fancy and uh she's here to learned to dog but then also her owners told me to teach her to blood track or that's what they call it and i was like fuck i don't hunt and they're like well you can train her to find people i'm like uh it's a little different so upon doing some research and talking to some people i figured out what these dogs actually find and somebody was like oh you gotta have a leg in your freezer i'm like excuse me <laughs> and i'm like no fuck that i'm not doing that so i figured out a way around it but um yeah it should be interesting to see because I mean, she's all about food. Like she will, she will do any, anything. And she's five months old and she is rocking place and recalls and off leash obedience, walking around Home Depot and all kinds of crazy shit. So nice. Uh, yeah. Genetics are genetics are genetics. Plus I've got these three asshole patrol dogs and I've still got, uh, I've got a, uh lab now i've got gizmo who uh we are going to put on narcotics and he's i had several calls today about him people ever apparently there's a shortage of single purpose dogs in the country which you think <laughs> yeah no uh, no because my phone i rank my like all these area codes i was answer the phone and they're like oh we hear you have a dog i'm like yeah I'm like well can you hold it i'm like no i find the last two calls i was like dude whoever pays for him first gets him and i was like mm-hmm. here's a number That's of an awesome transporter he is <laughs> his name's larry he's great he will drop the dog off safe and sound and he will text you on the way. And he was, and he's professional and he's timely. So, uh, but yeah, other than that, uh, SSDD, more of the same, uh, getting some stuff finished up for our VA program stuff. But other than that, I'm just same stuff. Oh yeah. So what do we got going on tonight? So tonight we're going to, uh, our last episode, um, was uh deep we got took a deep dive into the bird dogs uh we've done some police canine stuff lately but we haven't had a um a military handler on in in a little while several episodes so um i reached out well we reached out to our guest 
And it turns out him and I know a couple of the same people. So that was pretty cool. And um, it was an easy conversation. So um, once again, you will see when this guest comes on that I am once again, the beardless son of a bitch in <laughs> the podcast, because I have a smooth baby face that cannot grow hair. And I, I'll look significantly older than you two during this podcast so you both can right there but anyways our, our friend uh welcome <laughs> aboard our friend kelly roby how are you buddy come on in i'm well thanks for having me really appreciate you coming in man uh this was kind of quick like um yeah we talked last week and then um you had like literally a one day window um you're in that uh that phase of life where kids are going in all directions <laughs> in all sports and who yeah. takes what here and, and they're never at the same place they're never at the same time it never works out right so um i'm glad we could yeah. get you on here yeah true story i mean i'm in school they're in school everybody's in zoom covid whatnot mm -hmm. yeah it's uh aligning the stars yeah everybody's got to be quiet at certain times for people to do their stuff and it's pretty fun i'm sure yeah That's so <laughs> let's go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about yourself kind of you know, some background and what, what got us to today. Yeah. Um, well, I think, I mean, I recently did uh, a hat release with um, Eagles and Angels, um, which is a run by a, a friend who is in a different squadron at a former Army uh, SMU or Special Missions Unit. Um, and I had been in North Carolina for a guy's retirement. And he hit me up and he said, hey, you know, if you want to donate a uniform and you got a good cause, like, uh, let us know. So, you know, I thought on that and, uh, was kind of humbled, um, and had a friend who's running a good, uh, charity, uh, all secure Tom Satterley, another, you know, another guy from that unit. Mm -hmm. Um, and so anyway, did the release and then you guys reached out to me. Um, I've been kind of hiding for the last, uh, I don't know, 10, 12 years, uh, kind of on the periphery of everything dog related. Um, but, you know, to go back to the very beginning, uh, hopefully your audience doesn't grimace too much. Uh, <laughs> we'll go to the, the high school years. I graduated uh, out of here in Portland, Oregon, um, before it was what everybody knows it has today. Um, but essentially, you know, graduated with like a 1.68 GPA. I had friends helping me get out of high school. Had a nice. great running career, track, like could do all that stuff, but really liked to party. Um, that was my, that was my thing back then. And, um, had the opportunity to go to, you know, university of Oregon after I went to community college and after I proved that I could actually get my stuff together and that was too difficult. So I, uh, started looking for options with the military and, uh, was at a party one night and met this girl who was joining the air force. And I had already, you know, kind of dabbled in this a little bit while I was in, uh, in high school, my senior year, and they couldn't give me what I wanted. And uh, I told them to go pound sand. I had better opportunities working at the local Ford dealership. I was going to do so much more. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, essentially uh, met this girl and she hooked me up with her recruiter and he's like, Hey, what do you want to do? And I was like, uh, I don't know, just, you know, something. And he showed me, you know, like you, you hear everybody talk about it. He showed me the video, the VHS video uh, of dudes jumping out of jumping out of uh, airplanes and coming up out of the water next to a, uh, a boat, you know, with their camo on and their hat and everything. And they're like, Hey, this is airborne Rangers. You want to do that? And I'm like, yeah, 
for sure. Like sign me up. And he actually got me a contract. Um, so I joined the military, uh, at 17 with a contract for Ranger Battalion. Um, fast forward, you know, I was 100 and 135, 140 pounds soaking wet. Um, so I got beat up a little bit during basic training on not being able to make it to Rangers by all the drill sergeants and everybody. And, you know, lo and behold, I made it through airborne, made it to rip, um, back in the day and made it to second Ranger battalion, which just to be clear with everybody is not where I wanted to go. I wanted to go to first bat. Um, but you know, that was second bat was my second choice. And, uh, I guess it was better than third bat. So, uh, joined second Ranger battalion through the nineties did, uh, you know, all the typical stuff did, uh, seer school, best Ranger, Ranger school. Um, and then met my wife, um, at the only school that I ever went to where there was another woman, um, got primary leadership development course, uh, to become a Sergeant. And it was love at first sight for her. Um, took me a little while, but, um, you know, we got married. And we both had the same ETS date in uh, like 2000. And we're like, yep, we're getting out. I had never intended to, you know, this was a bridge for me. I'd never intended mm-hmm. to make it a career. And um, she's, she had the epiphany that maybe getting out the same month, same year, like everything probably wasn't the smartest thing for us to do as a couple. Um, <laughs> so I was like, well, yeah, I can do this. I can do this thing down at Fort Bragg. I was like, I, I've heard about it. I can try out. It's like, we'll see what happens. And, uh, literally that's, that's the way it went. I mean, I put time and energy into selection. Um, but you know, I didn't, I didn't really know what I was getting into. Um, I didn't come in with all these preconceived notions and have this, you know, um, history as a kid where I wanted to do that. I'd never shot a gun before I joined the military. So, um, I, I wasn't, I wasn't that story, um, slipped through the cracks, made it through selection and, you know, um, and that was spring of 2001. So come uh, April, May, I'm down at Fort Bragg. We had PCS down there, um, started uh, OTC. And, you know, kind of from there, September 11th happened. Uh, mm-hmm. I was in OTC. I was totally convinced we were going to war. Uh, they were going to stop our training. We were going to war because, you know, we were- You're far enough along. Imp- yeah. Just get yeah, it there. I, we're good. <laughs> I'm enough. the most important person. I need to be in combat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so- Long story short, that didn't happen. Um, and that's, I think, a testament to the professionalism of that place. Mm-hmm. Um, we continued our training as, as it was scheduled and um, come to the end of that training. Um, and I don't want to take too long, but I got assigned to the only section or squadron that had been to combat, right? And at this point in 01, everybody's like, I got to go to war. Like, we're training for the Olympics. This is war. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, yeah, that didn't happen. Uh, I went to the only squadron that had been to war and I was super bummed, but, uh, that's, you know, ultimately where I got introduced to the canine section. So that back then though, the canine section was infant stage, correct? Super infant. Yeah. Like that was, that was it. That was the program. That was, that was, uh, minus, you know, MPs, SPs, all that stuff, right? This was the only foray into special operations. It was, you know, the equivalent of um, any new um, piece of equipment, I guess, that could be fueled into the military. They, they didn't really even have a mission. It was still trying to figure that out. So we were relying heavily on, you know, uh, police and whatnot to figure out a mission set for it. 
I wasn't, they were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just a chauffeur. <laughs> so I can just right. tell me where to go. I wasn't there yet. I wasn't there. I'll, yeah. point, him, yeah. I'll point him in the right direction. <laughs> and we'll get we'll get into a little bit some of the stuff you and I talked about about your opinion on on um, how how you're building you should be building that tactical canine program, sure. but um, and we'll, we'll get into a little bit more in a minute. But I want to go all the way back to Portland. So um, I grew up in the yes. '80s in Canton, Ohio. We drank uh, Gobel, Schaefer yeah. Light, and Canai <laughs> wine. That was our thing. What when you said you were a party, oh. or what was the drink of du jour God in Portland? Bless. So you guys know Widmere, right? Yeah. So Widmere was the, that was, it was it, right? Widmere Hefeweizen. Um, and then we had a company out here called Norwester and they made raspberry Hefeweizen. Like that's, that's what I grew, like. And then the rest, right? The shit that we could actually, sorry if I can't swear, you, but the stuff that, uh, okay. The stuff that we get a hold of out there uh, is great. But back then it was, you know, oldie. Right. Yeah. What, what's my bang for my buck? Like, oh, the teeny deli in Portland. Like, let's go get a 40. Um, that, that mall liquor is going to, that's going to be the best thing ever. I mean, I couldn't oh, yeah. do that now. I'll pay for that now. <laughs> side pocket. We used to do Edward 40 hands when I was in college. Yeah. Not a good, no. It's side pocket and Cobra. God bless. That oh, was terrible. yeah. Anything that had alcohol that we could get um, at, a, at, a, at least hopefully nothing more than twice what it cost, right? Anything that people would allow us to buy. So right. Yeah, fake IDs, buddy. That's how I you go. The only time I've ever had a headache that was so bad my ears rang was from drinking some of that bullshit. Oh, yeah. Fuck. That malt liquor stuff. Uh, what is it, oh. Thunderbird? Uh, grape, grape malt liquor? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we had uh, Mad Dog was a thing when I was, Dog, 20, when I was young. Yeah. yeah. And um, I think that was about it. Uh, so, go, the beer Snickies. was... On, almost undrinkable that I was in a, light stuff i was in a convenience store two days ago and there was a rep from one of the liquor companies restocking stuff and he was putting empty on the shelf and this dude is standing there and he looks at him he's like hey you don't want that he's like you'll wake up with some ugly bitch you have to chew your arm off get away from her <laughs> i'm standing there with paul and i almost i i just turned around i was like i can't do this right now <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah like, i knew i knew so what bad. the human body could go through before i went to war <laughs> Right. Yeah, I, saw it, I saw it in high school. <laughs> you can throw up yeah. grape and still compete in sports. True. Like the True next story. day. It's pretty good. Yeah. I, yeah. For those that have been to HRDs, people know I hate throwing up, like absolutely hate puking. And I will puke if a dog blows. So there's a scenario we do that inevitably ramps dogs up to the point where they just blow their glands. And that smell instantly yep. makes me vomit. And uh, I did it in front and of a cry. Your eyes are watering. Oh yeah. I, yeah. Right, right now my eyes are watering because the allergy season, because it's in Oklahoma and we have, you know, pollen is a safe not, bird. It's not the thought of that smell. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> but the smell, oh man, I did it in front of a school full, I mean, a schoolroom full of fourth graders in Boston when we were at HRD, but I just, I hate You dropped throwing. your gland or you threw it? No, <laughs> the dog did. I puked everywhere out in the middle of the street. Okay. Okay. Kids were pointing. Okay. sleeveless t-shirt on and just blowing my guts out in the fucking parking lot like mrs smith another junkie in the alley yeah exactly and we're in worcester mass and which i'm sure they're used to seeing people throw up there because it's not a very it's a rough town in that alley (laughs) yeah in that alley and you know it blows my mind anybody that's dealt with dogs or anybody that's in that community like everybody has we all have that background i i don't know 
anybody that truly doesn't. I think we all have to be a little bit weird to be dealing with dogs. Um, mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and it seems like a common theme that runs through everybody. So when you, when you get, you're at that squadron and you yeah. kind of start peripherally getting into the dog stuff, what, like, what's that look like? Is this just a trial and error build from the ground up? I mean, obviously there's some different stuff on the police side. A lot of it's still pretty similar in, in teaching dogs certain things. Um, I'm sure obviously the program looks nothing like it did back then, but er, early on, you, what it, what it looked like back then. Let me tell you what, so let me tell you how I was selected for it. This is, this is, this will tell you what it probably looked like. And then I'll go into that. But um, I graduated, right. There's four of us that come to this specific uh, squadron and we all get sat down and everybody, you know, all the team leaders talk to us and uh, it literally just down the line between the four of us, like, you know, and these guys are just back from Afghanistan, right? Like, Hey, do you like dogs? Do you like dogs? Do you like dogs? Do you like dogs? No. Like I had never seen them. I'd been there six months, never seen them. Mm-hmm. You know? And of course I'm like, Oh yeah, I grew up with dogs. I love them. They're great. I had Dr. Spaniels had, you know, a coon dog had all these things. They were great. <laughs> right. Go through it. And it's like, okay. And then you get, then that's over. Right. And it's like, okay, you're going to this team. And I was like, oh, okay. I don't even know what that means. Right. And that, right, and yeah. In, in every SF unit, right, everybody has specialties, right? You have air, you have water, you have mobility. Um, and, you know, um, we happen to be water and dogs. And it was like two two pups, right? Um, and to your point, yeah, everything, like I said before, it, every, it had been around. But I, was, I was by no means the first. Um, it had been around, but it was still in the infancy in the sense of trying to figure out what the totality of what it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, heavy reliance on, uh, different organizations across the U S right. From selection to, uh, training, um, you know, between the secret service, between different police agencies, between like, like it was, it was a collection of information at that point. Like what, what can we do? How can we apply this to what our job is? Um, you know, that was the infancy. That was when I got there and then quickly changed to, um, and I don't remember exactly when, but it, it, it then became its own thing, uh, its own team. So it was part of a team and then it grew enough organically that it needed to be its own thing. And then so that it could be attached out. But initially when I got there, it was just two guys, two dogs, six dudes on a team. You know, we were all, you know, I was the bite dummy. I was the whatever, mm-hmm. just fire hose. Yeah. What What do you think was that? or if you know or not, I know things <clears throat> escalated and changed and everything quickly because of the wars and stuff going on. But what, what was the impetus to make it its own unit? Did there was a couple of things that happened overseas that were like, yeah, these should be more, we should have more of these. Um, I think, you know, anytime you have a capability at a place like that, whether, you know, honestly, any police department, I mean, I, I, if you could trace it back to police departments or, you know, government agencies, anytime that somebody sees a capability, right, somebody else wants that capability, it's funding, it's, you know, that's a great opportunity, somebody's interested in it, whatever, right. And typically, you try and mirror what is going on in one place, so that you have that same capability across all, all, you know, um, all squadrons, I guess, or all platoons or whatever, right, Mm -hmm. you wouldn't have just one platoon that has mortars, right? You want all platoons to have mortars. You want them all to have that capability. So I think that's one part of it. I think the other part of it, um, certainly 
I would say was solidified when Iraq happened. Um, no doubt about it. Um, I mean, that's when we really kind of worked through the noise and then probably late 03 um, began the train, right? I mean, there was stuff in Afghanistan, but it wasn't really, I would say a proven technology until Iraq. I mean, just with the close quarters and, you know, saving lives, that's really when it was proofed. Did, were they sending you, so you're going to all these places, did they send you out there to like Secret Service and everybody, or they, was everybody coming to you? Uh, no. Um, so, so I don't know at the very beginning. Um, what I know is that any time um, any unit uh, that has unlimited dollars, unlimited capabilities, typically what happens is somebody has an idea and they're allowed to run with it. And that's what, that's what gets you your body armor. That's what gets you your new guns. Like I've got this idea mm -hmm. unconstrained, like to an extent, right. Uh, go for it. Right. I want to learn how to do this. Roger that, you know, go for it. Um, and then, you know, reassessing, selling it to the troops, our major, whoever, right. Whoever's signing off on the dollars, like making sure that um, it's, it's worthwhile. So I, I would say that every technology or asset is, is developed that way at, at that high of a level. Mm -hmm. Does that make so, sense? Oh yeah, absolutely. So as um, you guys like go into this process and it's kind of in its infancy um, and once the capability started to kind of fall out, um, how important did dog selection become? Cause it's something that we talk about with military and law enforcement and even search and rescue handlers. Um, and, 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 and even today, like I was talking to somebody today about dog selection, but um, how important was that process? And, you know, from the beginning, because uh, I have some friends that are in um, some other um, special missions units or in special operations and military. And a lot of times they're like, well, here's your dog. <laughs> they're like, and I have a friend that got out and was like, I don't know where to find dogs. They just gave them to me, bro. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He's yeah. like, how do I find them? So uh, what kind of, what did that process look like for you guys? Uh, so, I mean, I don't know how to, I don't know how to equate it for the audience. I mean, it, there's, there's, there's no real counterpart. I mean, there is in the military, but in the civilian side, it's really hard. I mean, it's an unlimited budget to the extent that the military has, right? I mean, at, at the, once you start getting into the tiers of the military, right? Rangers, SF, all this stuff, to some extent, you, you have heart carte blanche to develop things. Um, and so it's, it's part of it is, do you, you, you hire the right guys, right? Part of it is the ability to go to a vendor and go, Hey, we can just throw money at you. This is a national asset we need, um, make this happen. Right. And if this dog fails, it'll go here because it'll work out here. Right. And, and you see a lot of that, that our failure rate, because it's so specific could benefit, you know, a police department. Um, they're, they're, not, not that it's less important, but it's maybe less specific, right? That the specific, yeah. like the, the need is maybe less, I guess, in the sense of like, I need, I need this very surgical tool and maybe, you know, maybe a regular butter knife works over here so we can give that butter knife to you, but I'm still searching for a surgical knife, right? And so we had the ability to test a lot of dogs and let go of a lot of animals. I mean, really, I, I would say the failure rate um, is pretty high as far as the selection specific, like what technique we're using, it varied, right? We used the best of this, the best of this, 
We're testing these innate traits because we know we need this. We don't want a dog who's too high in prey. We don't want a dog who's too high over here in defense. Like we, you know, because after experience, a high prey dog is going to bite operators, a high defense dog, <laughs> you know, you know, I mean, there's all these factors and it's, it's like a constant litmus test, really. I know the, that um, didn't answer the question, but no, 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 you know, that, it, that answer. Oh yeah. It's, it's funny too, because talking about the unlimited budget, basically you have access to any vendor in the world that you want and all the money you need to get the top dogs you can. And yet here you are still having to fail a large amount of dogs. Um, that's a real tough part of this line of work. And it's something, it's something people don't talk about a lot. Correct. And, and it's the nature we, uh, Ted and I at the first, um, a Bravo three conference, <clears throat> we, we did a, a class, him and I did a class and it was standing room only filled with everybody. All the canine guys came the first day. Later on that day, our next class, no one was there because everyone went to the first one. But we got um, pulled aside by a guy from down there at that command. And he said, hey, I like you, uh, like your attitude, what you say, Bubba, do you sell dogs? I said, yep. At the time, I, I only had four kennels, not very many. My, I, all, every dog I had in there was amazing, but I only had four. Yeah. Now I only have eight, but every dog right. when I have a full kennel are great dogs. Sure. Um, because I can't afford any turds whatsoever, but he's like, and, and I'm geographically an hour and a half from um, like uh, shallow Creek, which has 90 kennels or whatever, 450 dogs a year. Uh, John brings in, we've had him on the, on the podcast. And, and he's like, wow, we can't really go to these onesie twosie places because we will most likely fail your dogs or we might yeah. take them and still fail them. Um, and I said, well, you could stop through. I mean, it's on the way. What if I have <laughs> the next unicorn? Door, bro. What if I have yeah. three? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. What if I have Which the unicorn? Huge, right? Yeah. But in, and it never worked out and, and I get it. I get it. But when you guys select that, that killer dog and you start going, where do you see it start to, fall apart what what part is where they're falling failing i mean and, and you know i have the benefit of deferring to more experienced trainers uh by saying hey i was a handler it was an operator handler that was my, <laughs> like I'm, I'm jeff gordon just put me in the car i don't know how to work on it but right. i can drive it um you know I, where i saw it falling apart um in the multiple dogs that we handled um you know uh try not to get into TTPs too much. Um, I would, I would say a, how to say it better than like a dog that can see in the matrix, somebody who uh, there's a switch, right. And you, you know what I'm talking about. Um, we can talk about training dogs and um, putting them in with people of the same order in the sense of, you know, um, they're, they're working with their SWAT team or they're working with their team. Um, there's some dogs that just get it right. And there's some dogs that don't. Um, and when I was there and there's some dogs that get it until they don't in the sense of there's so much stimulation going on that now they can't, they no longer see clearly. Right. So you have some dogs, there can be stimulation, there can be helos, bombs, shooting, whatever, it doesn't matter. And they still get it. You have other dogs who there can't be anything. Right. 
and they get it. But the second you add gunfire, the second you add a bomb or a helo, like, oh, my bucket's full. Like I'm going, I'm going stupid, right? That's what I had. I had like a 50-50 dog. Like he could get it and to the point where, you know, there was nobody in the room after we'd blown the door. And now I was getting bit because I was a number one man, mm. right? Um, so I don't, I don't know where to say it really falls apart. I, I think a lot of it, to be honest with you, you probably see this at your seminars, is with individual trainers um and individual units you know what do what do individual units value the unit i was in probably values something a little bit different than our sister unit um and it's probably always changing based on the trainers that are there and the handlers that are handling dogs and that's kind of a cop-out but i think you know what i'm saying yeah yeah you know and and you made a couple of statements one is like the whole unicorn statement you know or well this is what you're saying and yeah. you know i think a lot of guys a lot of trainers especially are chasing a specific type of dog that they want like i know what i'm good at training and what i yeah. like personally and what i can run and handle uh, at various stages as a trainer or as a handler is not what i would pass off to a guy that's been a cop for five years that got assigned to a canine unit or whatever tried after canine was like oh now we're gonna give you a dog and i'm like fuck i've been handling like 17 years and you want me to pass off this do you want me to you want this one no you don't <laughs> mm, and right. so you know then you run into all these other problems and then on top of that you have another guy that's more experienced is telling him he should have this and you're like you're both wrong and so like i feel like they chase a lot of things what they think they want or what they don't want um and then the other portion of that too is you know, I think it's it's a good thing to kind of be very honest about where because we've sold dual purpose dogs to departments that will never get a bite either through policy or just because like two people live in the county. Yeah. And like if they're going to bite somebody, it's going to be once in a career. And I've sold dogs to departments where they get a chance to bite somebody every time they go 10-8. So, you know, and you have to have a very real conversation with a lot of those handlers and admins and, you know, and then make sure everybody's stars are aligned because you have admins that are like, oh, we don't bite anybody. And then the handlers are like, yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, we, we bite people all the time. And, the and then the admins are like, well, this is what we classify use of force. And like, so then they get into all that other shit. And I'm like, so you guys got to be, you know, on your, you got to be, you got to be comfortable with like what's going on here. And, you know, I think, and we've talked about it before, but, I, you know, people chase the unicorn. They're like, you know, they're, like you said, you had an option to go through, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dogs. And a lot of times departments are like, well, this is our dog is what we got. And it sucks, but it is what it is. And uh, we've seen it before at seminars where, you know, dogs come from, you know, and without getting too far into it, inevitably when we see a dog that's really, really good or really, really bad, you know, we kind of ask somebody, we say, where did that dog come from? And they'll tell yeah. us most of the time. And we're like, oh, and shortly after that, well, not shortly, but there you start to fill in some blanks. I'll put it that way. So you're hundred percent correct. Like, you know, uh, we ask, uh, who did we, oh, our last episode was Freddie King. Granted, he's a duck dog guy, uh, a retriever, but I mean, you know, those guys are fucking ninjas. And yeah. Eric asked him, he said, Hey, you know, if you see a dog that you'd have never seen before, but can you tell who trained it? He's like, Oh yeah, I, I totally, yeah. I, I totally can. So yeah. What do you think? He? And, and it, and, and they rotate, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. trainers rotate in, in the military, mm -hmm. they rotate between, so you, you may be thinking you're picking for this group, but they have a new trainer in there and that could be the trainer that was over here before. Um, uh -huh. And they could, they could alter the way that 
a handler like me thinks, right? I mean, I only am exposed to this and now I see positive reinforcement or I see, you know, hey, we're doing clicker training. Oh, wow, that's a new thing. I've never seen that. I've only spent all of my time, you know, choking dogs off mm-hmm. and freaking using e-collars. Like, so it changes a, a lot. And like, I think you hit it up with, with uh, unicorns. I don't understand in the dog world why people, why people put so much pressure or um, stock into a personality on a dog when we can't even do that with people, right? Dogs are as equally complex as, as we are as humans, right? And when you look at our selection process to get there, there's a real high failure rate. Well, dogs are the same, you know, and they can't even talk, right? You don't even know what they're thinking. We're just saying that. I say that a lot. And, you know, one thing that we ask at HRDs, it's usually Eric, he's like, how many people buy cops? And some people raise their hand and he's like, good, fuck them. They're in the way. But, you know, <laughs> they're in the way. They deserved it. Um, and I tell people, I'm like, you know, no matter how much training we do, it's still a dog. He licks his own ass. He eats cat shit. Their job is to find bombs and bite shitheads. And they will bite old people, young people, kids, other cops, other handlers, like they will, if, if they have a chance, like that's their job. You can't teach dogs to bite people and act shocked when they do. And hey, they're opportunists. And they, we say that all the time and be having a very real like um, conversation about, you know, dogs can't understand human intentions. And, you know, when we start doing that whole thing, which is why we start talking about passive bites and all the other stuff about, you know, the difference between what a threat is and being threatening or not the exact same thing. And you can't teach that to a dog. And if that were the case, you know, we would have MMA would be the worst thing to watch because you could read human intention the entire time and no police officers would ever shoot anybody. So I, now we've got an animal that, you know, works for a tennis ball and has no idea that he's looking for explosives, which are inherently dangerous. And is just happy as shit to do it. And we expect them to read human intentions when we have the best people in the world that can do it. Like, well, yeah, I got bad news for you, bro. <laughs> it's not going to work out that way. So we're going to, uh, in, in a second, we're going to go and take a first commercial break, but I want to go back, um, back to the Ranger Battalion days. Yeah. And two questions. One, did you yoke up like every other fucking Ranger dude ever? Yeah. From 135 no. to no. 2010, whatever. No. When you say Ranger Battalion ever, that is like post uh, CrossFit. <laughs> Like Ranger oh. Battalion in the nineties, running. No. You were skin runner. Yeah, yeah. I could do, I could do like eleven sub eleven two miler, and that was like, you know, legit. How fast could I Prusik climb when I did the best Ranger competition? Like, how fast could I Prusik climb, and how fast could I do the O course? Right. <laughs> um, so, how much weight could you put on your back and still stay under one hundred and fifty pounds? It was, it was yeah. just different back then. That's funny. And my other question is. <clears throat> Anytime we have a ranger guy on there, so you're at second bat. Do you want yeah. to take a take a second to talk shit at all about first and third? <laughs> Are they terrible? Uh, I I I um, first battalions where I wanted to go at first, um, only because they're, I mean, they get over. Uh, they're mm-hmm. on the coast. Um, they get to have you know St. Patty's Day celebrations, which we do not have up at Fort Lewis. <laughs> um, third bat. I got mad respect for him, but it's third bat. It's a horrible location. It's a horrible location. Like nobody wants to be at Benning. They've done some great things. I got some good friends, Brad Thomas. Like there's, there's good dudes from there, but it's third bat. It's right. It's nobody wants to be close to the flagpole. Yeah, right. Exactly. And my last question on that is, so you're at second bat, a co B co. What were you? Charlie company. All right. My, I have a buddy that was there. I have a buddy that was there at second bat. Um, 
he would have been he would have been getting in into the battalion probably about the time you were going through selection, maybe a little bit earlier. There may have been a little crossover. He was B company and he talks mad shit about A company. It's great. He, about ACO. <laughs> uh, yeah. I got some good friends in ACO. ACO does some weird things. Seco was by far the best. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we have legends everywhere. If you, not me, but the other guys. Yes. Uh, yeah. Seco is pretty much the best if you're talking about all of Ranger Battalion. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. See, yeah. I knew you'd have an opinion on that. Or Ranger, Ranger Regiment, not just Battalion. Ranger right. Regiment. The whole regiment. Correct. Yeah. The yeah. whole regiment. Yeah. All right, we're going to go ahead and take a commercial break. We're going to get back and we're going to talk about some, you know, some fun, uh, specific dogs and some fun stuff with dogs and then kind of uh, where Kelly went afterwards. And you'd be uh, surprised to learn a couple of the famous dogs we've had handlers on here that he's had a little interaction with. Uh, um, it's funny how that how small that world actually is when you get down to it. So stick around. Don't fast forward through the commercials. Listen to the uh, sponsors. We've got some good people on there. and We'll be right back. All right. So sorry to interrupt the great conversation we are having, but we have amazing sponsors that we need to bring to you. Um, one of our favorites, one of our oldest is Southern Coast Canine. The folks down there, the Heisers, they are great folks down there in Smyrna, New Smyrna, Florida, right? They got everything you need to do down there, guys. Um, full service kennel, southerncoastcanine.com. Give them a call, 877-903-DOGS. The uh, Southern Coast Canine folks have killer dogs, guys. Everyone we've seen have been badass. Check them out on Instagram at Southern Coast Canine. Everybody knows that training is super important. One of the best training conferences in the country is HITS. It's by canine handlers, for canine handlers. HITS Canine, letter K, number nine, dot net. The largest vendor show in the country, the largest giveaway for handlers in the country, and some of the most skilled instructors in the country, plus Eric and I. We're going to be there July 6th through the 9th in Scottsdale, Arizona, bringing the HRD Roadshow to everyone there, doing the presentation about scenario-based training. And then they've got everybody there from the industry to do fantastic presentations. Also, uh, classifies and, and sort of uh, for your training hours when you come back to your department. So it's going to be in Scottsdale, Arizona, July 6th to the 9th. Be sure to hit up Jeff Barrett, 863-529-5113 uh, or hits K9, letter K number nine dot net. The other big thing that guys mess around with and don't get right is nutrition for their dogs. Our good friends down at Kinetic Dog Food, they got it right. Uh, especially if you own a kennel, uh, like there's a, all kinds of problems that go along with owning a kennel with a lot of dogs, kennel stress and things. These guys are great. They service some of the largest kennels in the country. Kineticdogfood.com. Their stuff is so good. Give them a call. 513-615-6904. Kinetic Dog Food on Instagram. Wonderful people. Wonderful food. Check them out. Kineticdogfood.com. Next up, we have a sponsor that's moved for quite a while, Quick Derm by Vet Care. This stuff is magic. For whatever reason, working dogs have this uncanny ability to hurt themselves in fantastic and magical ways. Don't let small problems be big ones. Happy tail, torn up paws. Uh, one of our good buddies and also one of our interviews, uh, Jake Hutchinson, had a, uh, his dog got kicked in the face by a horse. The stitches were healed up very quickly with vet care. I use it on my tattoos. Uh, Alicia just got a new one and she's using it as well. It stuff is magic. So hit them up at vetcare.us. Use the discount code 10WDR for 10% off your first order. Awesome stuff. 
our brand new sponsor, guys, and he's a good dude, man. He really is a good dude, good trainer. He's been on the podcast, friend of ours. He's worked with us at HRD, great decoy. Jim O'Brien down at NCK9 in North Carolina, obviously. NC stands for North Carolina. NCK9, letter K number nine. Uh, great stuff, guys. Their police dogs are good. Floppy ear, pointy ear, dual purpose, single purpose, handler schools, better weather than we have in Ohio. Give them a call, 919-438-0141. Check out his website, nck9.us. Uh, hit them up on Instagram, at nck9llc. For them, guys, training is not a job. It is their life. All right, everybody, we are back. Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. I'm Eric Stambro, as usual, in Canton, Ohio. Ted Summers is here from uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, we have Kelly Roby with us. We um, talking about getting into certain units and building that dog program. And uh, it's funny because <clears throat> there we're. I was thinking about while you're talking about the money situation and failing dogs. There are and kind of play off a little bit of what Ted said. There are so many departments. And mine did this to me with my first dog that will not replace a dog because they, A, do not want to lose money or spend any additional money. They can't. They don't have it. Or the specific trainer doesn't want to admit that he selected a bad dog. Um, that mm. The first was was the case in my, in my department. They made me work a dog that had 20-plus uh, failures to engage uh, three straight years in a row, putting my life at risk numerous times a year and because they just didn't want to spend any money to replace her um so that that uh is so having unlimited budget and be able to drop dogs and pick dogs up and do this and that is definitely a foreign concept for some folks um yeah. can i add something there yeah i like to talk obviously but like mm -hmm. I, I one of the things that amazes me i mean i again i had an unlimited budget best equipment everything um and when I say my dog wasn't perfect, he, he by no means was. And a lot of guys will say that, but not having to, like having the option of replacing him or doing whatever. I, I talked to, when I came out here to Portland and I started, I moved out here and I started dealing with some of the local police and I see what, I mean, from a training perspective, like, hey, we get to train on Wednesday nights and I get a few guys that show up or, hey, it's just the dog guys that show up or mm -hmm. like, like seeing what people deal with um, I, I tell military guys this all the time too. And guys are like, Oh, you did this, you did that. It's like, yeah, that's great, man. I had, I had every piece of kit that you could even imagine. Like if I could think of it, I could have it. Um, that's not to say that what we did wasn't cool, but I'm, I don't know if I would do what some of the guys do with what they have. It's there's, there's a lot to be said for what people put up with and the lack of training they get. Um, and, and I, I just want to throw that out there because it's always cool to hear these stories, right? To talk to guys, that, but, but there's, there's somebody right now listening who, who he gets trained once every couple of weeks, maybe. Right. And he gets an hour and a half, two hours from a shift that might be paid, might not be paid. Uh, maybe they have a hidden sleeve. Maybe they have a bite suit. Maybe they have odor. Maybe they don't have odor. Um, you know, it, or maybe they get called away during their training to a call. There's, there's so many people putting up with things. They're coming out of their own pocket for food, right? Cause the department doesn't have enough money or they're building their own kennel cause they want something better. Like it, it blows my mind what people have to deal with. So I have to give credit to that because that's true love right there. Like I, it was easy for me to deploy, mm -hmm. deal with my dog, come home, 
amazing facilities, all this stuff. So it's cool to talk about this, but there's a whole nother level where people are dedicated beyond what I could have ever imagined to have to do. Yeah, we've talked about Ted and I've talked about this a lot. There are, I, and I don't understand, I still, I will never understand why K-9 is the bastard child of almost every police department. You are, yeah. uh, your, your dog is used every shift, whether it's a perimeter search on a building, dope sniff, something, every shift. Yet, most departments do not fund it. They don't help. They, the handler buys all this stuff himself. Um, or like in the case up here, say we have a 501c3 that we have to fundraise for to help pay for equipment and pay for training. But you know who has no 501c3s and never has a problem and SWAT. is almost never used? SWAT. SWAT. Yeah. SWAT teams all over the place, training mm -hmm. all the kit that they want several times a month, getting all this stuff, all the ammo, all this, all this money. Never do nothing. Nothing. Uh, that's why, that's that why I think integration is so important because if, if you can tap into, that's essentially what we did in the army, right? We tapped into the greatest SWAT teams and, uh, you know, then it got funded. Hey, how do we develop it? That's why I think integration and selling it at the SWAT level, at the bigger departments. And I always thought, I mean, we're 15 years beyond what I was trying to push when I first got out. So it amazes mm -hmm. me that it's still not there. It amazes me that departments still don't integrate dogs, that they don't, that's not a, they don't get it. I had a, when I first got out, I had a kid come to me. We were, I was in like, I was in California. I was at LA and I, I was talking about uh, the camera and I was like, yeah, we do this. We integrate dogs. And he's like, it's my job to run through that door. I'm not going to send a dog. And I'm like, well, you've never been shot at going through a door. Like, like if you'd ever been, that's a really immature statement. If you'd ever been mm -hmm. shot at going through a door, you'd be okay with sending dogs to, to mitigate risk. Like it, that's, that's a crazy statement to me. And these dogs, not that I want to waste them, but they're lifesavers. They're mm -hmm. hunting the, everything. I mean, they're lifesavers. So I don't understand why I'm, I'm with you. I don't understand why it's not a bigger thing. Yeah. I had a conversation with an admin. I saw on the training side the other day, uh, well, like a week ago <clears throat> and they were asking about like mandatory training. I'm like, yeah, you have to. So I give them all the case law and stuff. And like this and he wasn't being a dick about it the admin wasn't but he was just like i guess i don't get it and i was like let me put it to you this way i was like pick military or law enforcement but regardless of a single or dual purpose dog they're disproportionate well the dual purpose they're disproportionately put at the highest instance of use of force every day mm -hmm. they are when shit gets weird that's who they call it. and i was like yeah. rarely when you track somebody with a dual purpose dog is it in a situation where they're probably not going to cross the Graham versus Connor threshold to get bit that puts that handler and that dog in a very high instance of use of force. And I was like, every time a police officer pulls his firearm, this doesn't, there, there's not a shot fired, but damn near every time there's not a chance that it can, but every time a dog gets out of the fucking car to track somebody or to do like, there is a very high possibility that there is going to be some force used with that dog and you've got to select the right dog and the right handler and have the right policy and have the right support. And they, and they're like, what about single purpose dogs? I'm like, same way. Their only job is to suspend people's constitutional rights. Like that's their fucking job. Your, that is their job to establish probable cause to enter a vehicle or whatever. I mean, like there's more shit that goes on than that, but on the narcotic side. And I said, so that shit has to be dialed and it has to be yeah. supported and you have got to know your shit. 
like as an admin and as a handler and as a, I was like the dog is kind of like ancillary like whatever you know I mean as long as they do their job and they do it correctly and it's maintained and everything else like everybody's good but this guy looked at me he was like I've never thought of it that way I'm like well you run a police department like I understand that canine is like one dude out of 70 72 people on this department I was like I get it but I'm like I promise you like you need to select the right handler because they are going to get into some shit and yeah. you do not want somebody stupid handling that dog. And he was like, I've never thought of it that way, but yeah, they're disproportionately putting the highest instance of use of force of any. I mean, I asked Eric this a couple of times ago. I was like, when was the last time, like how often do you get at a SWAT call and you shoot somebody? Uh, a few times in our, my entire time on SWAT. Did we shoot like 14 people? years you were on SWAT, right? 14 and a half years we shot four people i think yeah and how many times when you were in canine did your guys go out and track bite somebody on a track well one handler had uh, 175 bites with his first dog 100 of them on right. tracks one of them had so, nine bites in three days or something yeah, i mean ridiculous. so it's amazing I mean, it's amazing when the stakes are really high yeah. who gets called in there's, full, there's <laughs> yeah. teams there's part-time team swat That's teams good. with with full nods you know, and they got all the, the plate carriers and all that. They got night vision and everything. The dog guy who's out tracking the dude through the field or whatever has none of that. Nothing. Some places do. And, and I'll give him a long credit. line Some, if he paid for it. Right. Yeah. He's got, almost, he's got a flashlight. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Fuck you know, like so. Well, let's um, I was going to get into some specific dogs, but we'll stay in the training room. We'll do the dog stuff because people love hearing about specific dogs and things like yeah. that. But so. um as you were going, going along, um, did you stay when you were in the command? Did you stay in the handling part or did you delve into the training side of that? I didn't really. Uh, no, I only did. Um, so when I first got there, like I was saying how it transitioned, right? It, it switched from. So we only had a couple of animals and I just I volunteered. Right. I, I was I was there whenever I could. If, if we were back home and they were doing team trips, I tried to go up and get um, handler training. Right. So I could be sellable to go be a dog handler later. Um, mm -hmm. So in my off time as an operator, I was doing that while maybe the team was whatever, doing mobility or jump training or whatever. Um, and then I finally, when it was time to, to move up, I moved over to take over the um, um, assistant team leader position on a, on the, on K team. And that's where, you know, I got my dog and, and during, but during that previous time, we talked about the other dogs, you know, um, I was there when we picked out pepper, like that was my class. Um, that was the dog I worked, um, then another dog named Roscoe, um, Chris, that was when Chris got Valco. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, just working all those different dogs. I didn't work them overseas. Um, like I worked pepper through my basic course and then she came back and, I was super upset that I wasn't selected at that point in time. They were like, Hey, you're still in, you're still an assaulter. You got to go roll over as an assaulter this time. And I'm like, got it. You know, and you fall in love with that animal over eight weeks. Mm -hmm. Right. Even though she was a fecal freak, um, she loved to eat the poop and then jump uh, in your arms and give you that hot, that hot oh, breath. I uh, hate that. She's a beautiful Earth. dog, but Oh, <laughs> that was her only downfall. God. Um, she was French, I guess she was an IPO. So, um, <laughs> But, you know, I mean, so you feel you feel bad. And then um, I came back after my second trip over to Iraq and it was time for me to go over to the counter or the canine section. 
So I spent a couple of rotations in the canine team, and then it was time for me to get uh, make a decision, shit or get off the pot. Um, my wife had been overseas for um, almost 15 months um, in Bakaba up north, and I had rotated back and forth, and it was in 05, 06. It was like when we, we lost a bunch of dudes. And to go backwards, I was I was at the time that I got to the unit, I was the youngest guy to go through at that time. So I was 22 when I got there. Oh wow! Um, so I was I was a baby, um, and so my wife, you know, and that was never mentioned. I'm sure ever mentioned to you by any of the dudes. Never about no, you being 22 no. years old. No, the 40 year olds, the 35 year olds I served, I was never ever brought up <laughs> being the kid, um, and I never wore that chip on my shoulder ever. Right. Uh, but, um, you know, so she, she gave me the ultimatum and said, Hey, you know, and it'd been a couple of rough rotations. And she was like, do you, you know, if you want to have kids, um, at this point in time, we're either going to do it when you get out or we're going to wait until, you know, hopefully you survive for the next 10 years. And it was a pretty easy decision for me. So, um, so then I got out, so I didn't do the full 20 years and spend all my time in the dog section or operating so when you were working with pepper was that up at kenny's place yeah what um i've never been up to kenny's and i've never been worked at a kennel that's that large what's what's it like day to day Uh, there when you're working specific dogs so we we kind of got cut off um to do our own thing obviously um we had we had our trainer running us through our course it was four of us so it was our it was our team um, with an attachment from another squadron. Um, so it was kind of, again, the best of the best, right? We get individualized training, access to whatever training area we want, whatever dogs we want. They're trying to sell it, obviously, because mm-hmm. we've got money. Um, so I'm sure we saw the best dogs, whereas maybe if you come from another unit or a department, it might be like, hey, here you go, mm-hmm. um, which is unfortunate. It's the dog world, right? And part of it, uh, I think, Ted, you said it earlier, like, you might need it. You might need this quality here. You might need this here. So it really depends on what you're, what you're doing. But, um, you know, we spent that eight weeks or six weeks, whatever it was up there with Tepper. Um, and we stayed in our, we had a little apartment that we stayed in that Kenny owned. Um, and we had access, but it wasn't, it wasn't a huge place at that time. I think he gained a lot more facility after, mm-hmm. you know, I was up there. This was like, Oh, three, Oh, four. Yes. But that's a while ago. Is there shit to yeah. do in Denver, Indiana? Is there anything to do in that town? Uh, I heard there's a strip club um, <laughs> in Kokomo. Uh, I can't confirm or deny that. Um, Maybe I'll try to find I, it next weekend. I believe they sell alcohol. Um, that's beyond that. I don't know. I don't know. That's just what <laughs> I heard. Right. I, I haven't heard much. <laughs> much. So it's time to it's time to get out. Right. Um, you and I were talking on the phone the other day and did you bounce straight out to, uh, Reaver's place out there, Adler horse or what was your training? How'd you get there? So I spent the last nine months working on, um, developing the, uh, the canine camera that essentially kind of, kind of what you see today, um, working with the Navy and working with our place to kind of develop the different versions that exist, taking the input from the guys overseas and, um, being kind of the interface um and it was time to get out and i talked to um k2 um 
and was supposed to be doing some work with them in the canine world and then also liaising with different other special operations, um, I guess, projects they had going on with the different, you know, with Sandia, all these different mm -hmm. um, military contractors. And I did that for about a year. Um, and then we had a request to do the basic course for, um, you know, the Navy, my old place, um, the Rangers. So we did a couple of basic courses for those guys. I ran, uh, I heard you guys had Will on, I ran him and Cairo through. Um, I wasn't, Mike was really the trainer. I mean, it was, we were like uh, Bo and Duke or Bo and Luke, Duke out there. Yeah. Like it was, we were, we had ideas. Um, I was the, the guy who had been overseas and had, you know, different things we had seen coupled with, you know, the connection with the Rangers or the Navy in my place trying to put it together and Mike, you know, did his best to deal with the behavior side. Um, so it was a good, I think it was a good relationship. We did about three courses, I think, three basic courses. And then I had um, left K2 and said I was totally done with anything contracting related and started school. Yeah, the contracting world, as we know, is, uh, it, it's interesting. It can, yeah, it can be frustrating. Yeah. Um, so this is a question I had for I've I've wanted to ask some of the guys we've had on from from your command and from the uh, um, the Navy side that that ended up going and doing some sort of training work. Um, so there's I know it's pretty there's a big contingency in those units of psychology of people with three letter degrees and things that are that are really involved in the commands themselves. And I tell everybody, if you're going to teach human beings in any capacity, and Ted and I have talked about this a lot, you have to become a, uh, a study in human psychology. And especially when you're teaching people with animals, because there's, there's behavior psychology and then there's human beings, the way you have to teach them. Like, for example, the two guys that are in my class right now are completely different human beings. They learn absolutely completely different. So did you, were you able to take any of that stuff? Because going back to the, you had a 1.68 GPA. So now you're learning <laughs> you from some. You have to revisit that. I already covered it. <laughs> right. You're, you're learning from some people in your yeah. everyday life about your psychology and other guys' psychologies. Were you able to use any of that when you got out there for those schools or, or was it just dogs? You know, I, I would, I say this with, well, I don't say this. I probably heard it from somewhere like Reaver somebody, you know, one of the trainers, but I mean, dog training is really not training dogs. It's really training the handlers. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of guys, a lot of guys don't want to hear that. Right. They're like, uh, you know, but you know how it is, right. Uh, most trainers can take any dog and make that dog do whatever it needs to do. And that's because number one, the dog doesn't know, you know, what's going to happen because it doesn't know that human, but number mm -hmm. two, they know how to handle the dog. Right. And you know, it's really more about training handlers. I did learn a lot about personalities. Um, and I'm a huge proponent of finding the right person for the job. Um, when I first got out, I was always like, oh, you can, it's easier to, uh, let's see if I can get this right the first time. Um, essentially, it's easier to train an operator how to handle a dog than it is how to be an operator, right? Um, I still believe that to some extent. However, um, understanding personality when you come from dog personality, you guys know this timing is key, right? Oh. If you have people who can't time things, like just forget about it. Um, 
and I, but I equate that to being able to clear a room too. The same guy who can't clear a room or can't multitask, right? Know his corner, understand what's going on with the person that went left, like, and pick all that up is the same person who probably is going to be um, correcting and then yelling, right? Versus like giving a preparatory and then hitting it. Like these, these things, um, I think they're very similar. I don't think my 1.8 or my 1.68 GPA played into my understanding. Um, <laughs> I, but I do think people is a huge thing in the dog world. Like being a people person is where as dog people are. Um, understanding behavior across the board is, is huge. Yeah. On that note, we're going to go ahead. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're going to go ahead and take our next break. Um, we come back, we'll get into the dog stuff that we're going to talk about uh, specific um, likes and dislikes and things like that real quick. So don't go anywhere. Uh, we'll be right back. Working Dog Radio, we love our sponsors. This episode is sponsored in part by Ray Allen at rayallen.com. Everything for dogs. Check out their uh, 10% discount code using Working Dog Radio, all caps, rayallen.com for everything dogs. Be sure to check out Dogtra also. Eric and I love Dogtra. It's what we both use at the kennel each day. I like the 1900S. Be sure to check them out at dogtra.com. Use the discount code WDR10 for 10% off any single item over 200 bucks. Are you going to the Hits Canine this year, guys? The biggest and best conference in the United States, July 6th to the 9th, Scottsdale, Arizona. Hitscanine.net. Give uh, Jeff Baird a call, 863-529-5113. Making sure you have the right dog food is a super important part of running a working dog, whether it be police dogs, military dogs, or hunting dogs, or search and rescue. We like Kinetic Dog Food. The guys at Kinetic can be found at kineticdogfood.com. Area code 513-615-6904. Hit them up. We got a brand new sponsor, our good buddy, Jim O'Brien, down at NCK9 in North Carolina. Full service kennel, police dogs, single purpose, dual purpose, handler schools, trainer schools. Check them out, nck9.us. All right, we're back. Uh, last commercial break. I hope you didn't fast forward. Use the discount codes. I actually used one. I ordered some of the Ray Allen stuff the other day and used the discount code from Ray Allen instead of oh, just yeah. texting. All the time. Instead of just texting that, <laughs> which I'm sure he appreciates. So, uh, yeah, we're back uh, with Kelly from one of the uh, SMUs from military side, talking about dogs, handlers, um, all kinds of fun things. So, um, my GPA. It, <laughs> well we're talking how how doesn't necessarily equate to being able to train handlers you mentioned something too like i talk about handler selection a lot um and unfortunately uh for eric and i um we get what we're sent a lot of times yeah. uh, i have some great handlers and i have some handlers that have come through and i'm like there's a hundred jobs in law enforcement and this one's probably not for you <laughs> like and you mentioned timing like i've had some guys that you know, were substantial because I'm not like old, but I'm not young either. But dudes that were like Eric's age and like their timing sucked. <laughs> I'm like, didn't you ever play fucking video games as a kid? And they're like, no, I didn't have video games. I'm like, how fuck, how old are you? They tell me, I'm like, oh. So didn't yeah, you ever you, yell at the video game before you started freaking out? Like, yeah, let's like, do the whole preparatory thing for yeah. Like, we can do that. Yeah. <laughs> you yell at the TV before you throw your Wii controller right. through it. So, um, so <laughs> how do you make sure that that dog understands what you're saying? Like, he has right. no clue. Yeah. <laughs> you say it louder. 100%. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. You, you yell, yell it louder. 
right up in their ear. You can yell louder and pull harder on the leash, preferably on the live link on a pinch or turn the volume (laughs) up on the remote. I mean, that's the, that's the the way I do it. Not sure why Uh, you got bit. doesn't make sense. (laughs) Oh shit. Um, so speaking of dogs, uh, with unique personalities, um, can you talk about some of the memorable personalities with four legs that came through, um, that, uh, program? Yeah, I have, uh, I mean, mostly related to my time and I got to talk about my pup, but, um, you know, very specifically we had, we had, you know, there's a whole bunch, but you know, specifically overseas, I think that's more relevant, um, personality wise, because that's where you really see it. Um, I, I always talk, you know, the cool part about having dogs overseas is like the built-in Wobby or Binky, right? Hmm. Being a dog handler overseas was so cool in the sense of like, you've got your buddy there with you. You get back from a mission, smoke cigars, uh, maybe have whiskey, can't confirm or deny that, but hmm. like, you might, but you got a pup there with you, right? How great is that versus being locked in a team room with four other dudes, uh, rehashing whatever happened or didn't happen, right? Playing video games. Here I am in a kennel by myself with one or two pups or maybe with another guy. Like it's, it's amazing. Um, and personality wise, we had, um, we had my dog Tupac. Um, he was a little, uh, Malinois, a little black Mal and, you know, he was probably ultimately not necessarily the ideal dog for the program. Um, real needy, kind of like me, but maybe a reflection of the handler, right? You always <laughs> say the personality is, right? It travels down the leash. Um, but he, you know, real big vocal dog, um, was a, but he was a little pocket rocket and he, he was a nice, um, he was a PH2, about 60 pounds, uh, 62 pounds, just awesome little dog. Never had an issue putting him on a bite or anything like that, but he was a little quirky. Um, and then we had Valco, um, who was in the program when I was there, who, um, you know, I was handling him overseas during 05, during the surge. I was rotating between uh, Tupac and Valco. And um, we had an incident. Basically, we had, it was a crazy three nights. It was a really bad time during the surge. But essentially, uh, we had a real bad night. I was, I was so tired of dealing with Tupac. He was exhausting me. Um, and it was probably all on me, but it was just like, man, I'm ready. Valco seems so much easier. I want to work Valco, right? He just kind of gets it. He's quiet. He's just good to go. Tupac was like always on Ritalin, like, gotta go. Let's go. Let's go, dad. What are we doing? What are we doing right now? Where are we going? And that was exhausting over the course of four or five hours, right? Every night. So, um, I was like, I'm going to take, I'm going to take Valco out, took him out. We had a couple of hits we did, um, and Valco I've never seen a dog engineer a bite as much as Valco could. He was amazing at it. Fun. But I took him out one night, almost got him killed. Um, we had some guys barricaded on a stairwell. He went up the stairwell. I saw it all on camera. And I mean, I don't know how he didn't have holes in him. I called him out to me. We backed off. We had little birds come in. And I'm literally like running down the street with detainees. Other people have them searching for blood, right? Because there's no way he didn't get shot. And he's busy biting people and I'm checking for, it was, it was a nightmare. And I'm like, okay, I'm going back to Tupac. The next night we go out and we get blown up and Tupac's ears all jacked up. And I'm like, all right, I'm going back to Valco. Go back with Valco. Um, that's the night we lose him um, out on an area search. He alerts on a guy, hits him. 
you know, three of us are online about 20 feet away. Guy raises an AK and gets filled in and Balco's in the middle there. Um, whether it was a ricochet or a bullet from a, an operator, I don't, I couldn't tell you, but, um, you know, so it was a three day period, but Balco was one of them, Tupac. And then we had another dog, Jura, who was like, um, man, to you guys have had them where they're so switched on, but they're unpredictable in, in the, um, just around people like around your guys. Yeah. Uh, but he's so switched on on target, but hanging out he can be just chilling and just boom nailing oh, yeah. you um and he was <laughs> he was that dog he was a lover i he loved me loved one of our other guys loved the handler but beyond that um you know you just couldn't predict him just had that look and you saw it coming but you know a lot of guys would be like hey what's going on jura totally fine just walk by him and he's like wham no no <laughs> no alert no nothing so we had those three personalities and then i talked about pepper for being the fecal freak um i didn't get to work her dave nielsen did um lost her obviously mm -hmm. um, unfortunate situation there but those are my examples when did you uh in in the dog program even if it was like when you were just a you know speed test dummy or whatever it was they had you doing when was it that you actually got bit for the first time and it didn't kill you and you're like okay i can handle this like not in a suit, but got bit. Uh, I ate on target uh, by my <laughs> own dog. Um, sent him in in a room. Uh, he had bit, so we were lined up on a door, and we had just we had done a bunch of hits, and dry hole after dry hole after dry hole. Get a bite, dry hole, right? Blow up things, all this stuff, right? So I sent him from behind the stack, and this was my real like light bulb moment. And he literally bit all four dudes, like on the way up to the door and then went in the room and we got done. And like, everybody's like, Hey, he bit me. And I'm like, ah, he's just a snap bite. And they're like, yeah. And then you kind of put that two and two together of like, here we are at the door getting ready to mm -hmm. enter and he's distracting everybody. So after that, I, I got to be the number one man pretty much at whatever door I just, you know, got sent to. And uh, I got tagged a few times coming in the room, like, how fast can I yell at him? How fast can I assess that the room is empty and yell at my dog before he gets me, right? Who's Who's got the tactical advantage? Um, I didn't always win that game. Like, sometimes he <laughs> did. Um, but, I, you know, beyond that, I haven't really had any serious bites. I had one out in training um, after I got out. Mm -hmm. um, I got tore up big time by one of the Navy dogs. Um, he didn't end up making the program, but, um, yeah, like, no reason, just, just, I mean, drain tubes, everything double bite, like into my nerve and my elbow, like just a nasty bite. Um, that's really the only real bad bite I've had. Yeah, you guys Ted, probably have a lot more. Um, yeah, not, I mean, <laughs> we get bit a lot. I've, I've been able to avoid it a lot. I try not lately. to hang out with dogs like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> True. Ted, Ted got tagged by a dog. Um, I think it was 2019 um for no reason in the calf and had like 17 stitches or whatever it was yeah. out of nowhere moving from one place to the next those dogs are the worst yeah. the absolute worst um when i was working for cobra on the uh west coast con uh contract for them we had a dog in the kennel that he bit while i was there i think i was the only person he didn't bite 
Um, he bit everybody. And it was, he bit the kennel support guy that was feeding him every day. He bit a team guy that was helping feeding him a lot. And it was usually because you had to break him, take him out of the kennel over to the area you're going to go. He wanted to go to the left. No, we're going to the right. And dude, it was on when that, yeah. and it's, he ended up going out to Ritman's place. Um, uh, he, he tells a famous oh, story of his, the dog. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, when they got to the airport in Dallas, the dog, had yeah, that one. half of the crate and his head was sticking out of it. Um, <laughs> that was, but those dogs like that, it's, it's so hard. Even if you're a seasoned trainer, it's hard not yeah. to be weird around them and they're yeah. weird around you. And, um, and that's the thing. So like that dog that bites Ted, he still has to deal with that dog, like right. within a few hours. And put that gotta... emotion behind, right? Put that emotion yeah. away. How? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's so. Yeah. We talk a lot of shit about being, you know, being used to getting bitten, things like that. But it, when it's not in the heat of the fight and not, and it's just some sketchy, weird, random shit, man. You can it, do you it. Can if you see I don't care that who you dog are. That's like, like doing it, this, right? And you yeah. see it coming, and you're like, okay, yeah, I got it, buddy. But the yeah, one that's get... like a psycho, right? Yeah. The one that just no rhyme or reason, lovey-dovey, then just deciding to be, you know, Ted Bundy. Like that <laughs> that's totally different. We uh, There's been an undercurrent in this entire conversation because, you know, you kind of talked about it at the beginning about dogs that are like prey monsters. Um, and like, we talked a little bit about selection process and the dog had, and you made, you made, you kind of had a little blurb about the dog being a little too prey heavy or being yeah. a little too prey, you know? And so when I watched departments test dogs, it's always interesting. And we talked about how trainers, you know, have like certain types of dogs they like. It's always interesting watching like certain trainers test dogs. And I can always tell what they want, um, and what type of trainer they are. Uh, because like there's a lot of dudes that are like i want prey 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 and i'm like if you've ever handled an actual fucking prey monster right that that is a hundred ninety nine percent that has nerves so deep you can't see the bottom and will kill anything that moves it is fucking annoying and those dogs are they're great because i mean you point them at a fucking fence fence post and say stell and they'll bite it like it doesn't matter but yeah. man, that you have got to just getting the ball from is sometimes dude, oh, just, fuck, and you have a never-ending process. You have got to cap them their entire career, and teaching a green handler one what drive capping even means, and then how to maintain it for the dog's entire career so he doesn't fuck the handler up or whoever is around. Like you know what, I'm gonna do this track, and I'm gonna track. I'm gonna track for. 25 30 minutes it's fucking hot as shit and normally i always bite somebody in this track but i get to the end and homeboy got picked up by his girlfriend so i'm gonna turn around and bite somebody else because that's who's there that mm. no we cannot have that and that's those dogs and yeah. i gotta hate that and like i like dogs that are you know that are a little on the prey heavy side but not so much that it's a fucking management nightmare like that like if i have to manage them oh man and jura I jura I, I, he was i mean He's as close. Falco is good too, but Jura and my and the dogs that I really spend time around, he's as close to what you would want. I mean, he he saw in the Matrix. Um, he had this little glitch <laughs> when we were back home, and we could work around that. But he wasn't he wasn't a prey prey crazy dog, right? He was that dog. He was just like I mean, he was huge, beautiful red mouth. I mean, he was gorgeous. 
but he was a dog. We retired, you know, he retired and went home with his handler and never had an issue with any of the family or anything. It was really, he was just, he was quirky. He, he liked who he liked. And if he didn't like you, like you knew it. Um, mm-hmm. We didn't really deal. We didn't like prey heavy dogs, you know, those, and, and our, our trainers were amazing at being able to assess that and not pick dogs that were just, you know, monsters. Um, it's that fine line of um, being able to do what needs to be done so that we have confidence that we're not putting, you know, the teams in, in at risk. Um, but at the same time, like you said, being able to handle, like not being crazy. If you send him from a helo um, on a long bite that he's not going to run through this guy, or he's not going to hit the other operator that's running next to him. Right. Like a dog that's clear headed enough. Like they did a phenomenal job. I don't know. And again, you know, we had the opportunity to wash a dog really easily. Um, so we're fortunate. I don't know how police departments do it. That's, that's amazing to me. And maybe they don't sometimes. And, yeah. And they don't sometimes. <laughs> yeah. We, we'll do some of our HRD seminars and we'll have dogs there and I'll, we'll pull the guy aside and go, look, man. Cause, cause I, I had the, I told you about my dog with the 20 plus yeah. failures to engage every year. And um, it makes you think when you're working the dog like that, that the admins don't care if you get killed. They actually maybe want you to the way they act. And um, I'll tell the guys, I go, look, dude, I'll I'll write a letter to your chief or your sheriff and and we'll take videos and we'll show them this dog's going to get you hurt. This dog ain't it. And we've done it. We've done it several times and we've gotten dogs replaced. Uh, We've had departments replace dogs because of it. We've had uh, departments say, suck it up and work him. We don't care about biting. We don't care about any of that. If you never do it, who cares? And the third one, and this is the real bad one, he's my buddy. I can't do it. I love him. He's my buddy. And handlers that do that, um, I got to tell you, I feel really bad for where you're at in your headspace that um, your buddy dog going to work with you every day and it's probably going to get you hurt is more important than you actually getting hurt. Um, but they've been yeah, getting no away what, with, tool. right. I mean, they've I been getting away that, with it. Yeah. 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 <sighs> it, it, the second you lose somebody because you've guarded this other tool um, or, you know, you haven't done like that's, that's going to be a way shittier feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and and y- y'all probably know, I mean, once you get through one or two dogs or you lose a dog, like it becomes a different game. Um, number one, you understand it, it, it galvanizes what they're there for. Um, I think, and it makes it, you know, like when we lost Falco, I was like, it sucked. Like that's the hardest call I ever made carrying him off my, carrying him on my back off target. And then um, dealing with him in country, knowing we still got to go out either that night or the next night, but having to make the call back to his handler and go, Hey man, we, you know, that's that that sucks but Mm -hmm. knowing having having the operator that was there 15 feet away or 20 feet away my buddy joe and have him go dude that was absolutely the right call like that saved my life that dog saved my life problem solved yeah no brainer right you make that switch and you go yeah he's my buddy but at the same time like calling calling this person's kids or wife is totally different than finding Mm -hmm. another dog so or even my own life yeah. right so for sure 
Um, so you now have like uh, you're in school and you've got kids that are running 19 different directions and yeah. going to sports and everything else. Um, you're also part of a charity. Uh, so what is it and what's it about? So I'm start that over. I'm not part of the charity. I've associated in the sense of like supporting them. Right. Um, I'm, I, so when I, when I got out, I did a bunch of stuff. Um, I took the last year off. I've literally been not a vagabond, but, uh, I've had the opportunity, unique position to take a year off and then COVID hit. It was great. Uh, timing couldn't have been better. I didn't plan any of it. Um, but, um, the last couple of months I've been working with all secure, um, which is Tom Satterley and, um, his wife, Jen, um, bringing in kind of illumination to things families are dealing with and PTS struggles and TBI. Um, and then, you know, working with guys like Chris Van Zant and Lee Busby, just kind of trying to bring a little bit of conversation to the, you don't have to be the, it's not the victim side of things. I hate to, I hate a lot of people think when you talk about PTS or TBI that somehow there's victimhood associated with it. And I think that's the story that's been going on the last five years or 10 years, but really it's more about like, here's your new reality. Like this is how you need to exist in this new reality. You've seen things, you've done things. You're not going to change that. Um, you know, and that's okay. And making people understand like, Hey, here's how we cope with it. Here's what your family needs from you. Uh, you can't just, bury yourself in a bottle um you still have to produce right you still have to do things for them um and they you know need to be able to understand where you're coming from so that's kind of what i think uh, all secure is really going for trying to bring families closer together and help guys recover from um things that they're dealing with um it's a weird i won't get too far into it but the tbi and ptsd side um so i'm a psych major um with a kind of a science background but you know it's weird they don't know they don't know what they don't know tbi ptsd it's all the same uh it really is as far as i think anybody understands it right now so whether it's a chemical issue um whether it's a psychological issue it's kind of all mixed right now and nobody has the answer so um, yeah um i'll put if you got to go on to uh, i don't know if you can see that or not probably eagles and angels ltd yeah. on instagram yeah yeah I went and checked them out. I think my light was blocking here. Couldn't see it, but I went on there and, and uh, just started following them. Eagles and angels, LTD um, yeah. stuff like this, stuff like this. I like and hits home because uh, back in 2012, I got into a really bad motorcycle crash and had a pretty severe TBI from it. Different, different than, you know, um, explosions from war and stuff, but I still have issues to date, mostly with memory. Um, and then, Everybody will tell you that's around me. I have, uh, I've had over the years, severe anger issues from it. And mm -hmm. I, I'm assuming from it. Um, when you're old, I, right? The guys in my handler class mm -hmm. can tell you, um, I can yell with the best of them. And, um, and I wasn't always like that. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I do think it probably equates to that. I, I, it's, it's weird. I was talking about this today with the guys in the class during lunch, they were asking me about, Hey, I heard you were in a motorcycle crash and, I was telling him the story about it. And I said, I have gaps where for like days after, I still don't remember the crash. I have gaps where yeah. I don't remember anything. And while I was telling the story, two cops that I know showed up to bullshit for a minute. And they go, what are you doing? I go, I was just telling about the motorcycle crash. And he goes, 
yeah, the one where you were like gone for weeks. And, and I go, yeah, he goes, yeah, you came to our buddy Zach's party. Zach is our buddy from the Ranger uh, battalion. And he's like, you were at Zach's party and you're all loopy. I go, I don't even remember that. I don't remember that. My second, yeah. my middle daughter, it was we, her. Um, it's not funny, crash, but I can laugh at it because I right? experienced the same thing. So that's okay. My, my crash was on a Friday and my daughter's um, high school graduation party was at the house on Sunday. I don't remember it. You know, things like that. So there, there's definitely, there's definitely a lot to it. And I, I don't know that as much research has been done as they've even really scratched the surface. I, I don't know. I'm not that much into it. Like, and you talk, that's, that's a misnomer in the sense of like, you talk about um, explosions and anytime your brain, like whether it's a soccer ball, whether it's a car crash, whether, right. Anytime your brain is doing this, like between mm -hmm. the, you know, your actual brain and the outside of your skull and it's doing this, that's, that's what's causing the damage to the neurons on the outside. And I can't speak to it well enough. There's, there's a couple of people out there, Doc Pate and some other people that really, crush it but tbis are everywhere and the classic signs like exactly what you're talking about the inability like anger issues for no reason right um adrenal issues uh like all kinds of different factors that people don't want to talk about or maybe don't understand um that's kind of i think you know eagles and angels um is doing you know for your listeners like they do a custom shop so they basically they take a hat a richardson hat um, and they take your uniform, they do some beautiful leather work with a flag or whatever. And um, the part that I was involved with as I had a uniform that I had when I was in the unit, I dedicated it and then the money, um, a portion of that went to All Secure. But Eagles and nice. Angels does a custom shop where as a police officer, you could do the same thing, right? You, you can take your uniform and say you wanna give it to some of your family members or your kids. Like you can have a uniform if it has importance to you or even auction it off for local things right um and they'll make hats for you obviously you pay for them and then a portion of whatever however you handle those hats you can distribute them um it's a pretty cool thing um and again it's a friend like you said um who was in a different squadron but he's a ranger too third bad guy i think i'm not saying shit i'm not saying <laughs> i could be wrong i could be wrong i don't know for sure maybe i'm wrong yeah right but so um, where are we headed with the site stuff? What do uh, you think you're going to do? Uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> if anybody let me practice. Uh, I really Ted, you want to was... head on out west, Ted, and lay on his couch? and <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to go. What are you talking about? Do... Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Um, what? You know, I, I think so my long-term goal is to, you know, talk a little bit more about this stuff. I've got an upcoming, another podcast with, you guys follow Mentors for Mill at all? Mm -mm. No, okay. I, I do not. They, they do a lot of active duty people and then similar, similar stuff. Um, but some just kind of bringing more awareness. I don't really know. Um, Reaver asked me to come down and do a, um, a judging for, I guess they've got a agitator course or something going on in June. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. I can't do it. Um, I'm going to be traveling, but you know, just kind of figuring life out. I think, well, I don't know if anybody really wants me to work on their brain. Yeah. <laughs> Guys that know you're listening to this are like, no way. No way. Yeah. <laughs> that guy. But if you don't know me, I've got a great deal for you. Right. Right. So, Ted, uh, oh, so um, is there anything else you want to promote? Any other social media or anything like that? 
No, I just want to say thanks to you guys. Uh, I listen to a lot of what you guys are doing and I, I appreciate the awareness uh, that you bring on. I know you've got a good audience and um, I don't know how to say it to the law enforcement, the law enforcement crew, but um, you know, it's a, I, I, it's embarrassing sometimes or humbling sometimes for us to get the credit. I mean, I haven't done dog stuff. I don't do it anymore. Um, it's embarrassing sometimes to get the recognition that we get when there's a lot of people out there every single night doing what they can with what they have. Um, and so I just want to say, you know, from, from my side, as many people that come and go, Hey, thanks for what you did. You know, I appreciate that, but you know, thanks for keeping my family safe at night. Hmm. Um, because what I did was important, but like, this is in our backyard and I can't imagine going out every night dealing with, you know, the climate we have to deal with and doing it in your own backyard. Yeah. I literally chased some dudes through my own backyard one time from a stolen car. <laughs> they had to pay for that. But um, anyways, <laughs> oh, man. so like every fucking episode, Eric is like, Oh, and this one time, and every yeah. time I go to Canton, it's like a tour of where Eric arrested people. Yeah. And I just sent him Google <laughs> photos. Hey, I shot a dude right here, right in this. Right there. Canton was like, hey, Eric, uh, could you stop mentioning yeah, Canton, right. please? <laughs> it's like, I wasn't going to mention that. But yeah, yeah. it's like, it was like an episode of, you know, where, well, regardless. Uh, I'm like, but yeah, I'm like, if I can go there. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, where is, so, Eric, where are you on the Instagrams? Uh, I'm uh, VanSK9 on Instagram uh van s canine academy on facebook um soon the van s canine academy on facebook which right now is all pets is going to be all police stuff and then i'm moving the pet brand over to ridgeside canine ohio teaming up with our buddy aaron taylor who's got the original ridgeside down in northern virginia i had to i've talked about this before but i had to separate the police side and the pet side for advertising and for accounting and for um liability stuff so Moving that brand over there, got a brand new location for the pets opening up probably in three weeks, I'm guessing. The $10,000 worth of rubber flooring arrived today. Oh. That was heavy as shit, buddy. Yeah, it is. Yeah, they had forklifts. I've got a bunch in my spot right now. Yeah, <laughs> Alicia was like, we should move this again. I was like, fuck that. We'll wait until they're <laughs> finished and we'll put it down. Speaking of which, uh, Torchlight Pets on Facebook and Instagrams. Um and uh we'll follow the build out um which starts pretty soon and then of course torchlight canine for the um canine canine side and then of course the, Inst the instagram for the podcast working underscore dog underscore radio i just shipped out like four thousand dollars worth of doctor shit oh yeah yesterday it was two fucking giant tubs full of doctor stuff uh to people i ship shit to australia which in hindsight after the australian interviews uh, I'm not going to say where I shipped it. <laughs> <laughs> so if you get it down there, then uh, just don't say anything, I guess. Uh, and, you know, put a collar, put a scarf on the dog when you're using it. Um, if you're in one of the areas where you can't use it, the rest of it stayed in the U.S. So um, I shipped a couple things down there. But yeah, so we have the Instagram there and we have the Patreon, which is where we give all that stuff away from our sponsors. I shipped out some quick terms, some other stuff too to people. Um, yeah, and it was it's free. Uh, Patreon um, is a small fee, but you get access to no commercials um, and get discounts. And we send out patches and stuff. Speaking of which, we just ordered a bunch of more patches. I saw the invoice come through yesterday or cool two days ago. So we got more patches getting ready to come out. So 
Um, those always seem to be popular, but yeah. Um, other than that, man, uh, this has been a great episode, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Glad you could get us in Kelly. Um, we talked earlier on the phone. We were like, literally this time, this date or suck it. And we're yeah. like, okay. <laughs> we're like, well, those weren't yeah. the exact words, but no, but I'm <laughs> oh, that's what I'm good at paraphrasing. That's what you said. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. But, no, I, I got. Do not say that to you. It. I got. I appreciate it. it. Thanks for coming on, buddy. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks. You got your reasons. I got my wants. Still got that feeling, but I'm too old to die young now. Working Dog Radio was graciously granted permission to use this music by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. That's spelled brother D E G E. .blogspot.com. Be sure to buy him a beer at Amazon, iTunes, or CD Baby, or anywhere you stream your music. Working Duck Radio was edited and co-produced by Alicia Brandt.